Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. 20th Century Fox would like to introduce you to Pee-wee and his pals. Speaking of Artie Tommy, Mickey, Tim, and the biggest man on campus. Why do they call you meat? Because it's so big? When they're not in class, they're into everything. Energy you're going to need it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, pull over. But what they'd like to get into most is a place called Porky's. I left my idea. Here, use this one. That's my Bible school card. Unfortunately, we can only show you the outside of Porky's. Because what goes on inside is not to be believed. Boy, the locker room. Oh, it's turned me on. We'd like to show you more of the locker room, but this kind of physical education just isn't taught. We can't show you more of the shower scene. Because what they're looking at isn't watered down. They want us to look. They want us to look. Porky. You too will be back for a second look. thought the night before was funny. Wait till you see the next day. Okay, I'm ready. 20th Century Fox presents Porky's 2, the next day. Pee Wee and the gang are back. And things are still jumping at Angel Beach High. What they do to each other is bad enough. I don't know what he's up to. What they do to everybody else is even better. Well, you better bring the army, boy. Well, actually, we had something slightly different in mind. Oh, yeah. 
They ain't happy. The gingers ain't happy. And no one is safe. I happen to be the guest of Big Bob Gebhardt, County Commissioner. Would do a thing like that. I can see we will now have to deal with the purveyors of filth. Hey, deal with this. Because one thing they know how to get. Oh, Pee Oh. Is even. Like shoot fish in a barrel. Okay, I'm ready. Come on, you guys, what's going on? Porky's 2. The next day. Remember the last time we're on this road? I really want to hear this story. In the tradition of Revenge of the Gladiators, Revenge of the Ninja, Revenge of the Nerds, we now present the biggest revenge of them all. I'm glad to see you back, boys. Porky's Revenge. And who does he want revenge on? Those sweet, innocent, totally harmless kids from Angel Beach High School. And all the kids want is to graduate with honors. Win the state basketball championship. And have a little more fun. These pupils don't deserve to graduate. Sick. They're perverted. <laughs> They're retarded. Expulsion all of them. I know you're out there, you little... This time... And I'm gonna find you! Porky's gonna make sure the kids don't survive. <laughs> Porky's Revenge. I sat through every disgusting frame of this film. Twice. The pig strikes back. And now... Hey, Rocky! Watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat! Again? Nothing up my sleeve! Crystal! No doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Hi, this is NASCAR Hall of Fame crew chief Ray Evernham, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computer and Google TanTalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our 264 shows, 265 as of last week, 266 as of this week, check out Nostalgic Radio and Cars. That's our archive page. Good evening, Tommy. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good evening, Robert. Yeah, Avery, I see you're hanging in there again. Cool. All right. He's saluting you. He's saluting me. I'm not military. I'm just some poor dumb schmuck. No. <laughs> anyway, I'm a radio guy, I think, sometimes, on occasion. Um, so, hey, we got an exciting show for you tonight. we got a very special guest coming back on. And uh, so we're going to be talking about some cool stuff, some uh, changes in the world, as I say. And uh, so what did I do today? 
Um, today, I actually went over to Tampa. I had to do a, a diminished value on a 2021 Chevrolet Tahoe. And um, that was interesting. Car got hit real hard in the rear and then slid over the bumper hitch and then got into the frame and then buckled the back end of the car. So it was kind of a mess, about $17,000 worth of damage. And uh, where I'm going with this, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, sports fan, car guys, race car drivers, all the other good stuff, is if you have or know of anybody who's got a late model car that's been crashed and burned, or crashed, rather, and fixed, it's not worth what it was before, one minute before the accident happened. It is now worth a lot less. So you need someone to do those diminished values, and we need to get, uh, you need to fight to insurance companies. Insurance companies don't want to pay. If your car's been crashed, it's not worth what it was before the accident. So somebody owes you. So if we're in the in the in the biz of collecting stuff, not to mention if your car's been tied up. This lady's. Yes, what's really interesting? Some of these body shops. This whole COVID scamdemic, slamdemic, whatever you want to call it, has really got everything screwed up. It's bad enough you hear the stories about oh we don't have cars because we can't get chips, which you know who knows. But th- there's a real big uh, thing going on in the parts world, and because and really it's because there were so many people put off you know, that didn't go to work. So production was down, I guess. I'm going to assume that that makes some sense. And uh, so here, now these cars are sitting in the body shops, and sometimes it's taken weeks, months. This car was in the body shop for seven months before they got, the car got completed and fixed. And that's because they weren't able to get all the parts. And uh, I'm also doing a 2018 Jaguar. I've mentioned that before. I'm still working on that one. I went over today to the body shop, and they've actually got that thing on all fours. And it was on its way to the uh, shampoo shop. To get all cleaned up and freshened up and tidied up and handed back to the to the owner, and this car still has the temp tag on the back of it. I mean, the guy just bought the car and got scratched. But like I was telling you before, because of these new cars, you know, with the the um, part of it aluminum, some of it's high tensile steel, some of it's got some other metal in there, you know, and there's all these different metals, and so they don't you can't weld them. They're the only way to really fasten them is you got to use you know, bonding material, basically glue them together, you know, with a little sticky stuff. And uh, a lot of the stuff is put together from the factory a certain way. And once it gets uh, unfolded or unwrinkled or un, uh, becomes unattached, uh, there's uh, only one way to do it, right, in order for these cars to be certified by the manufacturers, whether it's Porsche, whether it's Jaguar, whether it's Mercedes or whoever. And uh, so that's a process, you know. So a slight scratch can turn into a $15,000, in this case, sixteen, seventeen $17,000 uh, work job, so to speak. You know, but the car looks great, and they put it all back together. And I saw how they did it, and it's all riveted here and there, and all this. Kind of, I mean, it's just it's a lot of work. These cars are really, really, really sophisticated. In fact, the guy over there at the dealership was telling me that if you disconnect, if you remove the door panel on on this particular car, on this Jaguar, for example, the car won't start. I mean, the electronics are so intertwined in these cars. It's just, uh, you know, I'll take my little old 74 MGB that has points and a couple Solaxes, or not actually not Solaxes, it's got SUs on it, because I can fix that thing. I mean, usually with a screwdriver, you know, a piece of sandpaper and some stuff like that. So these cars are just way, 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 way too sophisticated. And what scares me is, you know, they're talking all this stuff, you know, and by 2030, 2040, 2050, they're saying no more ICE, which is internal combustion engines. Who knows? I don't know. Um, I'll be 95 by then, so I'm not sure if I'll uh, really be overly concerned, but... In the meantime, let's get out there and let's drive our cars and have fun. On that note, Tommy's going to go ahead and uh, we're going to go to a little break, just a commercial break here real quick. Then we're going to play a song. 
and then we're going to bring our guests on, and it uh, should be a pretty interesting show tonight. So, hey, you tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't touch that dial. We will be right back. It wasn't even in my plans A week in the sun and some fun in the sand I was really only passing through It all began on Ocean Drive Standing in line for a burger and fries Coincidentally so Well, it's a foot long. There's enough for both of us. Ain't never enough, baby. 
He has a rage for speed, an urge for women, and a drive for glory at any price. Hell, I'm getting out while the getting's good. Seems to me things have been pretty good around here. No, no, you... You don't understand me. I got something going. Hell, I'm made to drive for a living. He was born to raise hell, and no woman could hold him for long. I'm sick of being nice to you. That's a hell of a lot cheaper than a signature-only loan. Now, you pay me back, or I'm going to take you to court. And that car of yours, that'll be just the beginning of what it'll take to cover a judgment. Chet, you keep on hard charging, you hear? He's got 427 cubic inches of dynamite. He's a hard-charging man. He's Fury on Wheels. This is McKeel Haggerty, and you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. So get out there and keep driving all those cool cars. Okay, we're back, and you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. It's time to introduce my special guest this evening. This gentleman's been on our show numerous times. He's a good friend and alumni. He's also from Jacksonville, Florida. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening the founder and chairman of probably the, the best automotive event in the United States, the Amelia Island Concourse, Bill Warner. Bill, how you doing, buddy? Uh, fine, Robert. By <laughs> title to uh, Chairman Emeritus now. Chair. Oh, really? Okay. Well, let's go ahead and lead, segue into this and kind of tell us a little bit, uh, share the news with us about Amelia. Well, uh, as I approached uh, 78, I, I decided that it was taking a lot of energy to do the show. And uh, to be honest with you, we saw who was interested and uh, uh, one of your sponsors, the Haggerty Company, came up and we talked for a while. We negotiated and I put together my kind of exit strategy right now. And it's, time, it's my time in life to spend a little more time home with my wife. Well, congratulations, really. Um, that's amazing. Bill, i got to tell you, you know, I mean, you've been very instrumental in helping me get some amazing people on my show over the last 11 years. Uh, you were here on my anniversary show last year. I've been going to your event on and off since 1997, since 97, 98, somewhere around there. And I truly, truly, I've watched that event evolve. I don't think anybody... And I mean this sincerely. With your background, particularly because of the racing and the photography and all the other stuff that you did, your connections, the way you put on that event, the people that show up to your event, the personalities, you know, it's not so much the cars. The cars are it, too. And But like you said one time, Amelia Island is a canvas, and it's how you paint it. And the way you structure it with and, and fill it with all the creativity and all the the people, the cars, I mean, it's, you've just done a spectacular job. And I don't think anybody could do that. I really don't, besides you. That's you. Because your connections and, and your passion, your passion is unbelievable. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. I think the most important thing was to focus on people. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, our heroes. Uh, like Sterling Moss, Derek Bell, Brian Revan, uh, David Hobbs, Hurley Haywood. Uh, I don't want to leave anybody out, but I, I've had the best of the best here. Um, it, it's uh, been very uh, gratifying. And uh, it's like some guys in the baseball 
spending times with their time with Mickey Mantle or Babe Ruth or Roger Maris or, or Jack, Reggie Jackson. I mean, I've had I've had the pleasure of meeting and forming friendships with all those guys and ladies. Lynn St. James last year or this year. This year, yeah. Well, when Denise McCluggage was around, I mean, she was a guest of honor one year. Um, just some legendary people that were really, truly instrumental in shaping the automotive motorsport world. And, Bill, you really got to give yourself, pat yourself on the back, because you've been able to put it together where the average guy like me and the common guy can come in contact with these people. That's, you know, Amelia, it was just, you know, when you stand, when you stand up on that little hill there, and, and this was the first year I'd ever done it. I was actually, normally I'm there, I'm always early, but this was the first year I just happened to be standing on the hill where the big jumbotrons were, and when the gates opened, all of a sudden I saw one or two people, then a few more, and then this just mass of, 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 of people coming across there. And when you stand there and you realize, wow, these are all people here to participate in this event, and they're all enthusiasts, and they're all here to see what Bill Warren put together for us this year. It's just amazing, and well, it really. Always, I appreciate it. It was always a a pleasure to uh, pleasantly surprise people with something, you know, whether whether it was the goofy classes we do, or um, uh, the cars we brought in uh, of our uh, heroes, like when we did Sterling Moss. I think we had pretty close to well, probably forty percent of the cars of his career in one place at one time, you know. Many cars don't even exist anymore. That was, uh, and to have the three Mercedes Grand Prix cars, the open wheel, closed wheel, and, well, not three Grand Prix cars, two Grand Prix cars and a middle Amelia car. That was a big deal for me. Well, even last year, you had Penske's cars. I mean, for yeah. Roger Penske to show up there, that's that's pretty impressive right there, to get him away from a racetrack. Well, but but you know, it's kind of funny. I was, I was with, uh, not to drop names, but I was with Jay Leno one time. And we were having lunch, and I said, boy, last night, you were terrific. You went for two hours and didn't miss a beat. He said, oh, yeah, I did. You just didn't know it. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, you know, with the Penske cars, I was very, very pleased with the display, but there were two that were supposed to be there. Uh, one was a part and couldn't make it. That was the Sunoco 512M. And the uh, the second one was the Lola T70 uh, Mark 3B, which won the Daytona 24-hour, which I was really counting on being there at the for various reasons that didn't show. That was depressing to me. No one noticed it but me, but it, you know, that you have to, you really have to drive yourself for perfection and stuff like this. You, uh, uh, it, it's a, um, I guess it's an unusual situation there where I'm sitting there thinking about what it should be and what it could be and some of the, sh- uh, the sh- shortcomings. But then the people who come don't see it. You know, it's like like Leno. I missed the beat, but you didn't see it. Well, you know, it's interesting. I'll draw a quick analogy. It's like in radio. We screw up a lot here. This is live, so there's nothing. That I, I can't. There's no do-over here, okay? There's no second takes. But we screw up a lot in the radio station, but the average guy doesn't know what we what we did because they think it's part of the show. Well, it's just like what you're talking about. The fact that the loader didn't show up and the Ferrari didn't show up, I didn't notice it because I was watching you play with that fuel uh, thingy that, he, that Penske had oh, there that... Yeah. We brought the people again, yeah. yeah. That could be yours, too. That was kind of funny because we were trying to figure out how to load it in a truck. We couldn't get it in a reliable truck, you know, because it was a 20-foot fuel rig. 
So uh, Don Lee owned it. So what he did was he went out and bought a cheap van. Uh, <laughs> you know, a $300 van that would basically get up in the truck, and we loaded the, uh, or he loaded the uh, fuel rig in there uh, to, to get it to us. I thought was funny. I said, "Do you want the van back?" Now I don't think we want it, but we had to use it to get it back to California. <laughs> yeah, there's more than one kind of cat sometimes. So, how emotional is this to you? I mean, this is like your baby. This is like a child. You know, you created this. Yeah, I know, but there's a time in life when you just got to say, I've, "I've, I've had my fun. It's time to get on with life." And I think Haggerty's going to be a good uh, um, uh, suitor. Yeah, um, they're, they're going to do a good job of it. But you know, it's a changing culture, don't you think? Yes. Um, think, things that I really like. Uh, you know, I'm 78 years old, so things I liked when I was 30 or 40, people in their 50s don't identify with today. I mean, uh, cars I had posters of would have been the, you know, the. the Ferrari GTO or short wheelbase or something like that. And that doesn't even uh, connect with a lot of the young people who may, uh, the car of their childhood may be a uh, Lamborghini Countach or even a Diablo, something like that. So there is a cultural change going on, and you just got to roll with it. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because you and I had this discussion a couple of years ago on the show. We talked about, you know, what what is the future of the concourse? What kind of cars are going to be there? And I'll be honest with you, I'm very old school, so I'm just a little younger than you. But I, the cars that you're very much interested in, I'm very much interested in. And so when it changes, I'll be honest with you, really, it's like past 1972. It's almost like SVRA. If a car isn't prior to 72 with race history or a medallion medal on it or something like that, I'm really not interested in it. It doesn't really do anything for me, and it's sad. And I don't mean to be cocky or snotty about it. It's just that I'm just – I have no interest. I, I, I'm fine with points in the carburetor, you know. Yeah, that's right. And, of course, those are, those days are changing dramatically. And I, I, I was thinking that, I was thinking the other day and then talking with a friend of mine this afternoon, I said – how would you like to be a, a major racing uh, uh, sanctioning body looking at the growth of electric cars and thinking to yourself, whoa, what's racing going to look like 10 years from now? I mean, you know, with, with uh, internal combustion engines, you have this, you have the, uh, the sensory, uh, they're very visceral. They, they make noise. They, they, they vibrate the skin on your body. They, they you smell uh, you know uh, the oil, the, the, the racing fuel, and everything else, and, and most of all, they make lots of noise. Mm-hmm. And all these electric cars are just like big slot cars. You know, they go by. <laughs> yeah, slot cars. That's exactly a golf cart on steroids. Yeah. Well, do you want to share some memorable moments with you? I mean, who were some, what? What were some of the big surprises over the course of the years? The 26 years that you've been, you know, that, that Amelia was your baby, so to speak. Give us a couple examples of some really cool things that just like, you know, kind of like wow moments for you. Uh, Dan Gurney, when we were doing the best in show, I had remembered that he was the first to spray champagne. So it had Oet give us two bottles. You know, not not inexpensive stuff, stuff to spray, really. Mm-hmm. And when, they, when the show was over and the two cars came up, Gurney popped cork and he's shaking up the bottle and he looked at me with that impish grin he <laughs> just straight from the head to the toe with champagne that was very memorable um 
when John Surtees was here, we had the fight that he won the the Envy Augusta. He won the one won the Envy Augusta. He won the World Championship in, and it won an award. And I turned around to, to find him so he could present the award, and I couldn't find him. And David E. Davis was there with me, and I said, "Have you seen John?" He said, "No, no, he left two minutes ago." I said, "Guy, well, he's got to present the award. Where is he?" All of a sudden, I hear this Envy Augusta coming up the fairway, ten grand screaming, "John, he's on the bike." And he pulls right up in front of the stand, turns it off, sits back, and crosses his arms. I, I just said, boy, that's a magic moment there. Oh, um, wow, yeah. Um, it was, there were just so many little things like that. Uh, the worst moment was in 2003 when we had three solid days of rain. I never want to go through that again. Um, the other memorable thing was when um, the Players' Championship took our date. And we had to move forward a week, and I was really, really angry about it. My friend Dan O'Davis helped us because the, the um, Mayo Clinic had the hotel the weekend we needed to move to. And Mayo agreed to let us have it. We went ahead and honored Roger Penske. And three days later, the world closed with COVID. So you talk about lucky. <laughs> we dodged the biggest bullet in the world. Wait a minute. Here, the the fact the that you the fact that you actually, when the rain was coming a couple of years ago, you actually got everybody to move the event from Sunday to Saturday. Now, if I remember correctly, that happened twice, two years in a row, right? Well, that that's kind of funny. Yes, it, it did. Uh, the first year, yes, we we looked at it and see, we have to pull a trigger on a Thursday. In order to get the media to get the word out on a Friday that the show's been moved to Saturday. I mean, this is the way it is. Mm-hmm. So uh, Thursday, we're looking at 80% chance of rain on Sunday. So I called the staff in, and I said, okay, we're moving the show to Saturday. And they stared at me and with gawking misbelief. And uh, we had the sheriff there and the head of the hotel, everybody, the whole staff, the whole group that makes it happen. And I said, okay, let's go to work. <laughs> and... Before I even got to the lobby, everybody knew it had changed. That's a, a, the uh, power of social media. Um, we were able to change the date. Now, the next year, we were looking at 80% chance of rain again. And I went to uh, uh, I, 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 I went to church. I always go to church the week before and say a little prayer. And uh, when I walk in, people look at me and say, Oh, is it uh, Christmas? No, it must be Easter. Ah, oh, no, it's comfort time. <laughs> And I said my little prayer, and, and we were looking at that chance of rain. We moved it again on Saturday, and Sunday came up beautiful. I had to go back to church the next week and say, Lord, I apologize. I <laughs> but, but but think about that. When we're, we were all – I was there. I got – I talked to Chris Brewer. Chris goes, here's what's going on. I'm going, this is amazing. And I started – you know, he, he Chris came up to us and said – that was the first time. He says, you need a social media that's as fast as you can, everybody you knew, which is what I did. And I thought, yeah. and as well as everybody else, and just like you said, but the fact that the event took place on Saturday, I'll be honest, here's an, another example of how you, you managed to make this thing all come together. Nobody really, from the outward side, from, from where we were standing, nobody really seemed to notice a difference. It went off like it hit. Everything seemed to go Bing, 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 bing. It, it, it was like it was magic. And it was like there was no change at all. I, I, I was just totally floored. And the second year, when it happened again, I thought, wow, twofer. Well, you know what? It's, um, when you have a good team, it happens. 
I mean, they, they didn't sit there and argue about it in a meeting. They just kind of stared at me in disbelief and, and went and did their job. Yeah. You know, I remember talking to Roger Penske a long time ago, and and the same thing to Carol Shelby, and I'm trying to think one other race car driver. Oh, Pete Brock, Peter, and I said, "What do you think makes you guys so successful?" And they said, "It's the people I surround myself with." Carol Shelby said it to me first, and I was standing with Tweety one day, and this is when we were out in California in Gardenia at his uh, tire place. And then subsequently, I was kind of a question. I just kind of asked people, well, it's the same thing with you. You surrounded yourself with the best people. Uh, exactly. Um, it, it's a, it's an important ingredient. The one thing about the, you learn about Roger Penske, he is a detailed person. For example, uh, every, I think it was every Tuesday or every Friday, I forget which day it was, before the show, we would be on with his staff um, for a, an hour, a half an hour to an hour, and uh, deciding on what was going to happen, where he was going to be, um, uh, what he was expected to do, and everything. And uh, it's kind of funny. I said, "Well, okay, what time does his plane? What time is his plane going to land at Fernandina?" And they said, "Three um, forty-two, uh, not three forty-five, not three forty." 342. <laughs> you know, it's, it's down to it's down to every detail. And that's what it has to be. Um, I, you know, I, I, I even chose every song played on the field on Sunday because I want the ambiance to be there. I want the music to be played where you hear it, but you don't listen to it. Uh, I want cars lined up in special classes in chronological order. Um, you know, I, and I'll, I'll give the team what, what I need and, and, in particular, like with the um, 935s, we had a particular order we wanted to be in from a 934 to a um, uh, to the last 935 and the Le Mans car. We want to tell a story, and in doing so, I want to make sure that everything on the field, like, like you said, that the field is my uh, uh, canvas. My canvas, I'm painting picture every year. Yeah. Well, see now, this is where I'm going with this because. You know, you've, you've been around in racing, and your first race, I think you said you covered, was was actually over here in Dunellen. And, uh, but you've been following racing, and you get to see these teams. You know these cars. You've done it, it, it over and over. They, they become part of you. So now, not only do you, you identify with the car, the history of the car, and the relevance of the car. And just like you said, when you put that story together... Those of us that have followed racing, and I've been going to Sebring and Daytona since the mid-70s, so from then on, the 934.5s, if you want to call them that, or the, the pre-935 cars, I've watched those cars since day one, and so when they come rolling up there, I said, God, I remember watching that car at Sebring, I remember seeing that in Atlanta, I remember seeing that car, you know, it was just amazing. I mean, Carlos de Casada was there with his car, with the Whittington Brothers car, uh, Bruce Myers was there with the, the Le Mans car, you know, both those guys I know, I've seen the cars, I've watched them at Daytona. For me, it was like, wow, it's a trip down Memory Lane. And there's a lot of people that feel that way, and that's what makes that event so special, and we thank you. You have this fabulous show called Nostalgic Radio. <laughs> yes, I do. I do. I do. And I, I played it, it is all about nostalgia and memory, and uh, what what you bringing back a little bit of you. You know, um, it's kind of like uh, you want to remember the good things of life, right? Yes. Uh, and uh, that's what we tried to do. It's, it's been a great ride, but, you know, sooner or later, it's, you just got to say, 
I just don't have the energy. Uh, it's uh, it, it's difficult, yes, but uh, it's time for a new generation to come in and put their brand on it. Well, I will always be supportive of you and everything you do, and and will continue to do our support for Media Island because we think it's an amazing event, and you've done a fantastic oh, job. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh no, no, it's been my pleasure, Robert. Thank you for all the support you've given us here. Uh, it, it's been pride, but you know, if there's a point in time where you just get on down the road. All right, let's talk a little bit about, um, you've been pretty active on Facebook lately, and there's a couple, of, um, what I want to do is I want to go on some of these photo, photographs. Now, a, a, I'm a huge Porsche guy like you, and yeah. and I, my, but I'm, my other passion is Shelby and Boss Mustangs. But I also have this thing, because my dad was European, I have a thing for German cars in general. And there's a picture in there that where you somehow saw the 300 SLR, we call it affectionately the Uhlenhaut Mercedes, yeah. How did you find that car? Because that, that, of all the pictures I've seen on Facebook, that's the one that, for, for me, jumped out because I have a tremendous affinity for that car. I saw the car at the Mercedes Museum many, many years ago when I was a kid, when I was over in Europe. And uh, so the 300SLR, the Uhlenhaut car, is uh, Rudy Uhlenhaut, is just absolutely an incredible piece. And the fact that that car was even over here at that time, tell us the story. Yeah, well... Um I just happened to be driving down by the Gator Bowl, and that's where the Mercedes-Benz uh, warehouse used to be. Uh-huh. And uh, I always carried a camera with me, and I look, and there's the Olenhout car. Well, there were only two of those built, and one of them, Harold uh, uh, Olenhout used it to go to uh, go road trips on. You know, mm-hmm. you got a 300 SLR, really road car, straight eight, not a six. Yep. You know, with the engine lay, uh, lying over on the side. Yep. You have to strap it with the braking gas on one side, clutch on the other. It was it was a really 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 rare car. So I just they just put it out in the yard there. It was just <laughs> sitting on the road, and I, so I just got out of my car. And a friend of mine was with me. I said, "I got to have a picture sitting in this thing," and that, that's the way that came about. Uh, they had brought the car over to do demonstration rides at the new Daytona Speedway. They were introducing some new sedan or something like that, and uh, that was part of the PR thing. What year was this? It would have been probably sixty-two. Really, that, that yeah. just—that's an incredible, incredible thing. So, tell us now. You got the book that's out, and I truly enjoyed yeah. the seminar with you and with Miles Collier. So, tell a little bit about the book again. Well, everybody kept saying I should do a book because I, I, I saved every image I shot from nineteen fifty-nine up, but I, I got sixty years of uh, of images. So, I got with my friend Chuck Queener. And we, we did this book of just images with little stories behind the images, you know. Uh, like uh, the one story I, I, I love to tell is the one of uh, uh, I was called to uh, West Palm Beach to do a story on uh, Andy Gibb. He was, they were trying to sell him a Gimbala Porsche. The huh. unfortunate thing was the Gimbala people didn't realize that he, he really was not well off. And couldn't afford it anyway. Uh, but they had a driver's seat for him, and then we got out in the car, and I'm riding with him. He didn't think about what was going on. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there going down the straightaway at Palm Beach, and we got a big left-hand 180 coming up, and he's on the left side of the road, and I'm thinking, this is not going to be good. And the speedometer in the, in the photo, if you look at it, the speedometer's at 100 miles an hour, and I don't have any belt, or I'm not strapped in or anything, and I'm going, this, this, this could have... Uh, 
bad ramifications. <laughs> Tapped him on the shoulder. I said, uh, uh, "Pull over, pull over." I said, "Can I can I show you the line?" He says, "What's that?" I said, "It's the proper line to go around the corner if you're going to go fast." So I showed him the line, and we got to talking, and he was telling me about how um, his life had kind of turned bad on him. Um, he was ruining the fact that he and Victoria Principal fell out and all that stuff. So, um, I knew that it was a it, it was fruitless for them to try to sell him a car, and uh, I think in the end I said it, it, that I got out with my life and got out without a car, and we were both lucky. I think. <laughs> wow! Wow! Close call. Yeah, and I know that because when you go down that straightaway there at, at Palm Beach PBI. It's got right there where it goes around the lake. In fact, Lynn St. John was yep. telling how she put her pinot in there and uh, yep. turned it into a sub. If you're not paying attention, and that's kind of a decreasing turn, if I remember correctly. So you really got to be on your game. You, you do, and a lot of people crashed in that corner. No, that's, uh, uh, that, that is a very dangerous corner because you're coming in very, very fast. Mm-hmm. And it's probably one of those corners you, you, you want to come slow in fast out because uh if you come in too fast you would end up in the lake and uh, or in the concrete wall want to take your choice um but uh yeah that, that that's a tough track I, it's not my favorite um what is your favorite track because i know you've vintage raced all over the country yeah i like road america i like watkins Glen. i used to like the old road atlanta you know with the dip mm-hmm. oh yeah uh, yeah but just for the tunnel yeah um, um, Sebring's okay because that you know that's the first big race I went to was Sebring, so uh, you got to have a, a warm spot in your heart for it. But it's not a, a really great race track to run on. I like something with elevation changes. Yes. How about Laguna Seca? You, you've been out there numerous times. I know that. I got the corkscrew right. Um, first time I went there, the the, the master of, of Laguna Seca is, is uh, Bruce Canapa. Uh-huh. I said to Bruce, okay, where, where, how do I do the corkscrew? He says, well, look for the oak tree. When you get there, aim towards the oak tree, and the no- nose will fall in place. And I'm blasting up the hill in the TR6, and I'm looking for a tree. I don't see a tree anywhere. <laughs> I mean, no tree. And I get to the top, and all of a sudden, I know I'm cooking it too much. So I locked all four wheels up, smoked them all, turned in, and uh, got it together and got down. Now, the picture of me smoking all four wheels and tires was on the internet before I got to the pit road. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I went to him. I said, where's the oak tree? It's at the bottom of the hill. hill. It's at the bottom of the hill. bottom of the hill. So next time I went, I turned in and saw the oak tree. and, and uh, Hello? What happened? The, did we just get... Call him right back. All right. Hey, guys, we're here. Uh, we're uh, talking with uh, our good friend uh, Bill Warner here. And uh, and if you follow the news, he just uh, basically handed the reins over, a little bit more involved than that, you know, it was a business deal, to uh, Haggerty Insurance. And now they're going to be the uh, future caretakers and the guys running uh, – Haggerty um, are running a million. Bill, you back? Yeah, I don't know what happened. Just went out. Yeah, just went poof. Uh, like, uh, like, like you, like you almost hit. Like you locked up all four brakes entirely. <laughs> yeah, that was 
That was a funny time. But, you know, that's that's part of experiences of life, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Bill, the uh, some of the other stuff that you've done besides the photography, besides Amelia, besides vintage racing, the cannonball run, was that a big moment? Yeah. And that was, what, 1975, wasn't it? 75, yeah. Um, well, we went – it was a fun thing to – it was a fun thing afterwards, you know. My uh, my co-driver didn't tell me he couldn't drive at night till we were down in Pennsylvania at 2 a.m. in the morning. You know, so I had to drive both night stretches. Oh. Uh, and half a day stretch. Um, if I had to do it over again, I probably would have chosen a, a better co-driver, and I would have... Um, uh, I, I just would have gone faster early on, I think. The... Uh, did, were you using your 911 in, the, in, in that race? Yeah. Yeah, still got it. Okay. What kind of modifications did you do to your car? Because I know you changed uh, it. You got a duct tail. Gallon fuel tank in it. Uh, 31-gallon fuel tank from George Drolsom's GT car. Okay. And added um, what was then called a Fuzzbuster. Oh, Fuzzbuster, yeah. yeah. And TV radio. Yeah. And, of course, this is long, long before uh, 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 GPS came in, so we, we had road maps. Uh-huh. That that was kind of it. Um, I I should have done more study up front. And uh, the guys from Gainesville, Jack May and Rick Klein, won it uh, in a Ferrari Dino. They did a good job. I mean, they they started out really fast and they stayed fast. Although they did get stopped at Ohio by the cops. Out of curiosity, when 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 they got stopped, what is the story that they tell the cops? I you know I. Jack told me one time, but I mean, they just got caught. In fact, after they they paid the fine, uh, the auto the uh, highway patrolman said, uh, "Well, I guess you guys are in a hurry. I'll show you a quick way back to the interstate and send them on their way again." <laughs> interesting, interesting. So along the way, now you've you've had a, co- a collection of some pretty cool cars, and I'll tell you what I saw when I was leaving Amelia the other. Well, actually, I saw it at Amelia, but I didn't really, I didn't look, read the the card down there because it was sitting next to Ken Gross's car, and I just you know I saw Ken walking around there, and then I said this Roadster, this thirty, I think it was a thirty two Roadster, is owned by Bill Warner. So you now have a hot rod, and that car's got some history yeah. to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, I did. I, I always wanted a real hot rod ever since I sold the Edsel Ford Speedster, which I thought was probably the the ultimate hot rod. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, uh, I, my friend Buddy Pep, I'd seen this part uh, probably 25, 30 years ago at the L.A. Roadster Show. And I, I told him, I said, you know, that's the most beautiful hot rod I've ever seen. It's got everything right. The 32 Ford, it's got uh, dog dish, dress ring, white walls, skinny tires, uh, flathead, everything. I said, boy, if you ever want to sell that, I'm your guy. And he called me before Christmas and says, well, I'm ready to sell it. I said, well, I didn't have any money at the time. I just went to the bank and said, I can't let this one get away. So um, I, I I bought it. And uh, it, it is everything right about a hot rod. I mean, it's got the chopped windshield. It's got the top. It looks a little bit like an evil look when you see it. You know what I mean? It's blue, wasn't it? Yeah, dark blue. It's called Washington Blue, which was a Ford color. It's an absolutely stunning car, and just like you said, in the traditional sense, it's a very, very good-looking hot rod. Yeah, I don't think you'd want to take a 200-mile trip in it, but it's um, uh, it, it represents what happened back in the 50s. That car was built in Fresno, 
California in 1950 and then re- redone in 2000. Oh, wow. So it's, it's uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So some of the other cars that you've had over the years, you know, because you've, well, let me, you know, we got a few minutes left, about three, three minutes left. Your, you have this amazing, uncanny ability to find, turn up some interesting cars. So the Edsel Ford car, you know, the, the Roadster that he built. That probably the best find I ever had. That was in a garage in Deland. How do you get these leads? I heard about the car, but I didn't know where it was, and no one would tell me. The one guy who kind of had a hint where it was wouldn't tell me. And so I, uh, uh, I was at uh, Meadowbrook judging with Michael Lamb. I said, "You did a story for Special Interest Autos. Can you do you remember the guy's name?" He says, "Yeah, Palash, P-A-L-L-A-S-C-H. I said, "Well, okay, that's an unusual name." So um, I just googled it and came up, and I told him. Uh, yeah, I'd like to have the car at Amelia. It hadn't been seen in 40 years. He says, I don't want to show the car. I want to sell it. So next hour, boy, I was straight down in a land. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. You know what? The first time I saw that car, for some reason, it showed up at a vintage race at Daytona. It was sitting out there in that little uh, display area. And it was red. Open down, yeah. Okay. Well, Bill, do you still uh, kind of go out and kind of do a little treasure hunting? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not looking for a project. So at my age, you know, to restore a car, it takes four to six years to do it right. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I, I don't have that much time left. So I, if I got anything today, it would already be done. Um, <laughs> I've always wanted a, a true Motorama car. I had one. I had a General Motors Motorama Buick. Uh, called a Landau, but it was basically built on a Roadmaster chassis. It wasn't something that was uh, scratch built. Uh, uh, yeah, it was a modified uh, okay. car, and it, it, it was okay. But it just you know it was a chauffeur kind of car. It had a divider window and everything that in me, so I sold that. Um, and um, um, that was a good one to find, but you know, I'd like to find something like the old F eighty eight three or or something like that, a little sports roadster. Who's the guy that uh, used to come down from Illinois that used to bring some very unusual Motorama cars and auto? Is he still around? In fact, uh, oh yeah, uh, that that Buick Landau belonged to him. He lost it in a lost in a, in a divorce suit. Oh, and I, I bought it from uh, his uh, ex wife. <laughs> okay. Well, Bill, we are just about up against the clock. Is there anything you want uh, our listeners and your friends and everybody that's tuned in uh, to know before uh, I let you go? Because obviously, well, we're going to continue having you on the show from time to time because we truly enjoy your 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 passion for cars, Amelia, and your just your, your automotive spirit. Well, I appreciate Robert. I appreciate all the support you've given me. You know, my family is from Tampa Bay, and uh, back in the eighteen sixties. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, if you ever go to the Port of Tampa, the Warner House over there was my great uncle's Robert Warner. He was a captain, uh, and my grandfather was the uh, uh, the uh, pilot for the Port of Tampa. So I have some very pleasant memories of, of my youth in Tampa. Interesting, I did not know that. Yeah. Well, I got I can't tell you everything. I want. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. Well, Bill, we uh, look forward to seeing you, you know, down the road here at some of the events, probably some of the vintage races again as usual, maybe a car show or two, and for certain, Amelia Island 2022. 
God bless you. My next thing, I'm going to Bonneville to go 200 miles an hour. I can do that on August. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, well, that's... Uh... Wayne Carini and I are going to go together. Who is? We bought a car. Wayne Carini. Oh, Wayne Car- Really? Oh, very, very interesting. Well, you know what? Here's what's interesting about this year. is the National Shelby Convention, when I'm a Shelby guy, is in Sonoma, and, it, and it's at the uh, end of July, beginning of August. Bonneville's the week after that, and Pebble is the week after that. Yeah, that's so, right. You're going to be a busy guy. I'm going to be a busy guy, and I'm driving, because I won't fly, because I won't wear a mask. And I won't get a shot. Don't blame you. <laughs> so thanks for having me on again, Robert. Thank you very much. Good luck. All the best to you, Bill. And uh, you're just a swell guy. Thanks, Robert. All right. Take care. I want to thank my very special guest, Bill Warner, chairman and founder of Amelia Island, and now Emeritus, I guess they call it. But anyway, in the meantime, I want to thank all Melissa for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't forget to check us out here every Tuesday between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network for the most fascinating and legendary names in motorsports. A big shout-out to our good friends over there at FLA Car Shows. If you want to find out what's going on, uh, hey, you know, I mean, there's some stuff going on all the time. Big shout out to my buddy over there, Jake, at uh, Midway Shoe Repair, because he uh, keeps he heals my soul. I had to get my shoe stitched again, you know, because all this Chinese junk they got today. As soon as you wash slosh around in this rain we're having, my shoes are coming apart. Give him a call over there, 727-581-2166. And don't forget to check out our good friends over at uh, the Rib Shack Barbecue, 727-501-9090-426 West Bay Drive. In the meantime, I want to thank all my listeners again. Don't forget, uh, we'll see some of the car shows and uh, get out and drive those cars, like I already said. And uh, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater. FM 106.1. WDCF, Dade City. FM 102.3. WZHR, Zephyr Hills. FM 104.3. Listen.